will, follow me up here on the screen as I, I read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6. The Lord has sent a message against Jacob. It will fall on Israel. For it states, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, that's all right, brother, which is Christ the Lord. And they shall call His name Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. What is hope? Watch closely. Hope. It isn't a word you really hear much around here. Seems like we're always too busy just trying to get to the end of the day to think about what the next one might have in store. If we do ever think about tomorrow, the past tells us it will probably look a lot like today. Miserable. But that's not how it's supposed to be. You see, a long time ago we were given a promise that life would be better. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A baby was promised. Not just a regular baby like you and me. This was a baby who would change the world. He was going to give hope to everyone who believed in him. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. God himself was going to come down to earth to be with regular folks like you and me. He wasn't just going to live with us. He was going to make sure we never had to live with the filth, the brokenness, the drudgery of our lives. He was going to dry our tears and lift us in his arms and make everything better. Today we remember the hope this little baby brought us. We light a candle to remember that God's light shines out against the prince of darkness. We remember God's promise fulfilled in Jesus' birth and the promised goodness still to come. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This week, as we go through a life that may feel overwhelming or frustrating or just plain dull, let's think about the hope that Jesus came to give us. Emmanuel, God with us. What a powerful video. It is again that time of year where we experience the cold weather, the snow on the ground, Christmas music is on the radio and Christmas lights are popping up everywhere. Christmas trees are going up and we are, as Christians, start our season of the church and we call this Advent. The word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus and means the coming of the Savior. It is a holy season of the Christian church and marks a period of expectation waiting in preparation for the celebration of the Nativity of Christ, also known as what? 
the season of Christmas. The church is decorated properly with greenery everywhere, representing the evergreen hope, love, joy, and peace of the coming of our Lord. We know that this season the color is purple, signifying that great royalty in the coming of our Lord and Messiah. I like what it says in Mark chapter 1, and if you'll turn there with me, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And then you can follow with me up on the screens as well. But today I want to talk about hope, and His name is Jesus. We have hope in a Savior. And if you came in here with no hope, I want you to know hope. That means if you came in here with no hope, that's N-O, I want you to leave knowing hope, K-N-O-W. And so once you understand your relationship in Christ and your role, your life will change greatly as husband and wife, as teen, as adult, as an elderly person. It doesn't matter. But here's what the scriptures have to say in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Prepare the way of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 11, it also talks about that he came from a stump, from a root out of dry ground. And it says that in that there will, become, there will come a branch and that branch will bear fruit and he will be the son of Jesse. This wasn't in my notes. Don't worry about it, brother. But I will tell you this. God just brought this to mind, so I thought I would share it. But what I love about that text is Jesse's son was David. And through the genealogical line, if you were to look it up in the Bible and Matthew, that you would see that Jesus Christ becomes heir to Jesse. And so that branch bears much fruit. We can all say that here we are in this church today because we are children of the Most High God. I want to give you some verses this morning of hope. Follow with me. Psalm chapter 31, verse 24 says this, Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. And then we continue with Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, that says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And then we continue with Ephesians Chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. Then we go right into Romans 15, 13. That states, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalms 119, verses 114 says, and I quote, You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 reads, Let us hold un unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised 
is faithful. And I conclude this with Psalm 130, verse 5, that reads, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in His Word I put my hope, I put my faith, and I put my trust. Say it with me. I have hope. I have hope. Amen. And in the season of Advent, we have hope. And I don't know what this has looked for you. Maybe you've had a banner year. Maybe you've had a barren year. But I'm here to tell you that there is hope in a Savior, Jesus Christ. So let us pray. Father, we thank you again for your word today. And Father, I pray that you'll just minister to our hearts today. Father, I thank you that... I get to deliver this message of hope. What a way to brag about our Savior and our Messiah. I love this season of Christmas. I love this season of Advent. Then, Father, may we all just stop and remember the hope that we have in you. Because if it wasn't for your son Jesus, who came and died and who rose, what kind of hope would we have? We only have hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Father, today, I pray that you'll speak through me today. I pray that you'll hide me behind the cross And Lord, I pray for those that might be losing hope in this room, that they'll find rest and peace in our Savior and Messiah, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word today. Father, teach us from your word today. And all God's people said, Amen. How many of you in this room today are losing hope? How many have said to yourself, you know what? This has been a crazy year. I've lost hope. I suspect, with all that is happening in our world, probably we would say quite a few of us in this room probably feel that way. And I must admit, there are times I feel the same way as you might today. I'm only human, and I do have my doubts about certain things, and I believe in our time of of a pandemic and all the changes that we've said. We've seen all of the posts on Facebook. We've watched this dynamic play out and this narrative play out on social media. It's all negative and it most certainly would put most people in a bad state of mind. It seems like we can't trust even our mainstream media. We can't trust the local press and we can't even truly trust our own government. All this is sad but true. Isn't it amazing that in the text, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. I'll tell you in a little bit what he was going through and the difficult time that Jesus was born in. And I believe that today I kind of turned some things around as we talk about hope and how it will affect us. That I hope that you can find hope today in Jesus Christ. What hope is to the rest of the world and what hope should mean to Christians like you and me will be my topic. So many of you know me, so I'm just going to start out with, let's go to the internet. What is hope? What does hope mean? What does Wikipedia have to say, right? Hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on what? Expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. As a verb, its definitions include expect with confidence and to cherish a desire with anticipation. Above, you you will see where hope is commonly used to mean a wish. Its strength is the strength of the person's 
desire. I hope. Right? How many of you say that all the time? I hope. I've taught this years ago. I don't hope in anything. I speak truth. So start speaking. The Bible says there's life and death and the power of the tongue. So we, we have to stop hoping and wishful thinking and know that we have a promise from a Savior that came who died and gives us life. That's hope. So we see what Wikipedia has to say. But what is biblical hope? Biblical hope is more precisely defined as the confident expectation of what God has promised. And its strength is in his faithfulness. In other words, as a Christian, we don't put hope in our own hands, or at least we shouldn't. We don't depend on this world to give us the things we need, but instead we put our hope in all the promises God has given to us, and we put our hope in him. We put our faith and trust in Him. And I especially believe that in these times we've forgotten some of those promises. For many of us, we're forgetting our faith and turning our backs on God. In doing so, we're losing hope and suffering with despair. This isn't unusual. Because if you look back to the Old Testament, more specifically in Psalms, The sons of Korah, which was Moses' nephews, were at the stage at one point in their lives where he had done exactly what we might be doing in these times. They had lost their hope. And after realizing what they were doing, and here's what they were doing, they were turning away from God. They set themselves right again as they wrote in Psalms chapter 42, verse 5. And here's what it says. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. This is something we should be asking ourselves today and every day. I know things aren't easy, but why, especially today, would we want to forget about our faith? Why would we want to forget about our hope by turning our backs on the one person in everyone's life that has never turned its back on us? Every morning I get up and I either, if my wife's up out of bed before I am, which is quite a bit, one day a week. But if not, then I go to my prayer closet. She was up before me this morning. So I've got to watch her real close. And if I start to see her wave or anything, I'm going to have to like do some, something crazy to grab her attention because she might be tired. Just kidding. Then I get up every day. And I go to my prayer closet and I kneel down. And here's what I say to God. For I know the plans. Here's what he said. This is what God says. For I know the plans you have for me, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. And as I'm praying, I I know that with confidence that I have a hope and a Savior Because His promises are true. I'm not just saying it on my knees. I'm going to stand up and start declaring it as I walk this life and I walk this journey. Maybe this morning you've lost a little hope. Maybe this morning you're saying, well, you know what? I feel like I've gone through... Listen, I walked into a house after a death and there was a lady who was weeping and wailing. 
She was mad at God for taking her elderly mother of 90-some years old. How my heart broke. But I looked right at her and I said, hold up, hold up, time out. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We have great hope in death. We have great hope in life. Death is inevitable. It's unavoidable, but we have to face it. It's going to happen. And unfortunately, as she was faking her shift, her, her fist to God, I said to her, Stop. Claim Jeremiah 29.11. The Lord declared it, and here's what He said to you. If He can say it to the children of Israel in their darkest time, then He can say it to you. He's not here to harm you or to take away your loved one. Ninety-some years old. If I live to be ninety-some years old, that'll be a miracle. But life is short. And this world is hard. But reality is, we're going to die. But I know that through the life of this dear lady. This sweet, sweet lady. She lived longevity. And God blessed her. We have to realize that we are stronger than most. We have a God that loves us for all eternity and has promised us so much more than we could think we even have today. The Apostle Paul asks the question, here's what he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He said, for as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. How true are these words? How much meaning can you put behind them? Look at it the way our world is changing. Soon, very soon, they may be taking God away from us. We're sitting back as a church and letting this happen. The very Messiah, Savior that came into the world, we've sat back and we've let the world dictate to us. What would you say is the greatest destroyer of hope in our lives? I think we would all agree that it is fear. And I get that. I really do. How many of you face anxiety in this room? Just out of curiosity. I know I do. You know, if I asked you right now, could you guys come up here and and teach today? Even if I gave you a two-week notice, how would that make you feel? You'd probably get a little nervous. Maybe some of you might throw up. Maybe some of you I'd have to find back in the bathroom. I mean, sometimes that's my case. But it is real. It is what it is. Anxiety is real. Fear is real. And the adversary uses that to control our lives. But I want you to know, but when we are afraid, we have to remember, as Paul goes on in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 and 39, he says, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amazing, isn't it? There is hope right there. 
makes me want to do the robot, right? Because nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Amen, preacher. Do I need to go back and read this verse to you again? He says, in all these things, we've been made more than conquerors through the love. Nothing shall separate us. I got you. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. The love of God in Christ Jesus. We need to remember who we are in Christ Jesus. We are conquerors. We are warriors of God. We are victors. We're not... We are winners. We're not... Thank you. You're getting ahead of my... Did you see my notes or something? And we are highly favored because we are children of the Most High God. Here the nation of Israel was dark. The world that they were in was very, very dark. And they didn't know how to face their challenges. And what must they do? They felt like we had nothing. But I want to tell each and every one of you that when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. And let me prove that to you this morning. How can we face those challenges? Preparation. Preparation. Once again from the Apostle Paul, you should remember these words and read them out loud every time you feel as if you're losing hope or if you're afraid. Say this every time you are afraid and let it remind you of who you are and who you should put your hope and faith in. Here's what Ephesians 6 says. I love this. Now, this is kind of combative, but I believe that it's what we need to do as Christians, as warriors, as children of the Most High God. And here's what it says in Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Is that not agreed? So how do we get ready? How do we as Christians prepare for the battles we must face in our everyday lives? Here's what he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. And boy, is it coming. Listen, we talk about prophecy. That's what this season of Advent is about. See, what Advent does is it builds up to Bethlehem. So we're building up, you know, to Jesus being born in in the manger, being born in Bethlehem. This is what we're building up to. So we have to look at all the signs around us. Read your Bibles. Read the book of Revelation. We have to prepare and make ourselves ready for whatever may happen next in this crazy, chaotic world. Amen? So let's go on. Here's what Paul says. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And don't forget about faith. And they not in, 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 are they the same two in one, hope and faith. There, let me spit it out there, right? I would think so. Without our faith, how could we possibly have hope? And here's what Paul does, and here's how he continues. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And here he comes with what should be the most important part of our lives. And here's what it says. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert always. Keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Amazing. How many times do we say that in a week? Don't ever forget your prayers and don't ever forget the power in prayer. When people come up to me, they'll say things like this. Pastor, I'm requesting prayer. My next comment to them is, do you believe that God can heal you? Do you believe that God can take this adversity, this infirmity, whatever you're going through away from you? Listen to me. If you are in this room and you're dealing with an addiction, God can take it away from you. Let it go. If you said, I have hope, then you believe it. We started off the service today claiming, I have hope. God wants to deliver you. He wants you to live a good life. Okay, let's make this a little bit more personal. All right, Pastor, I think that's a good idea. What about anger? What about anger? When are we going to throw this down? See, we live in a world that right now people are causing so much adversity. We get on the road... What is with people driving these days? I mean, everybody's taking ownership of everything. They own the road. They own the parking spot. The other day, it was really interesting. I'm getting ready to back into a parking spot as I see this vehicle. I almost said something, but I did. As I saw this vehicle coming up through the parking lot. I don't know what... Were they Batman or something? Think they could take that spot? As I'm backing up, they whipped it in that spot as if I wasn't even there. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus, started coming out of me in that car. I was shouting and praising the Lord. Not really. I was really upset. Now, I didn't cuss or swear. But you know what I did? I stopped and I said this. I said this. God... Deal with them. Right? We have a hope and a Savior. They needed that spot. I'll park out there number 32 so that I can walk all the way up because He gave me feet to dance and to do all kinds of stuff, right? So I think sometimes we, we get kind of, uh, kind of crazy because we, ha- we think we have a sense of entitlement and we start to lose hope in our Savior. Listen, I knew what Satan was doing. So I said, I'm going to put on the whole arm of God that I may be able to stay against the, stand against the ways, the wiles, the schemes, the scams, those people that pulled right in behind me. How dare them do that? And that is the reason why I don't go to Walmart anymore. <laughs> They're all like that there. Every, why is everybody in a hurry? And by the way, I just went into Walmart for the first time the other day. Okay, this is just an advertisement, all right? They might mute us because I used the word Walmart. Just kidding. Um, but they seem to mute... Do you guys ever go back? If you ever, sometimes people will go back and watch live stream. And, uh, and they're muting like our songs. And you know what? Listen, if Facebook or social media goes down, I told you this before, if fights go down, I'll stand up here and scream. You know what I'm saying? We've we got to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, that's our role. That's our job. You know, what kind of church are we if we're just coming in and walking out? We've got to live our life in Christ. And so... Yeah, back to Walmart. (laughs) My wife's helping me out up there. I told you. What would I do without her? 
So I'm back at Walmart, and here's what happens. I go in there. What happened to all of the cashiers? Before long, I'm going to have some robot look at me and go, Hello, welcome to Walmart. Please go to this lane, 23. I'm, I'm serious. It's crazy. What has happened to people? Nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to show up. We don't have to... We don't have any responsibility any longer. You know why? Because we've believed the lie of our society that tells us, don't worry about it. We've got this all under control. You don't have anything under control. The only one who has your life under control is Jesus. And you have to surrender to that in your life. The only hope that we have is Jesus Christ. So we look at our present challenges. Now we have to look back at our past challenges. What do you think might be one of the biggest things in our lives that make us so afraid? I believe it is our past. And so many times we let mistakes we've made in our past have major impact on our futures. And what we sometimes forget is we're not that person anymore. Amen, Trish? Preach it, sister. We have changed for the better as we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives, which in case you've forgotten, wiped away all of the sins of your past. And the prophet Isaiah reminds us of this very fact. We're not who we've used to be. We are not who we used to be. We are a new person. Here's what it says in Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I am doing a new thing in your life. So what is that saying to you? Very clearly, to me, it is reminding us we are not who we were in the past and it shouldn't have the same fears. We simply cannot let our past overwhelm us and take away our faith, causing us to lose hope. Say this with me. I have a hope. I, I'll tell you right now, what is it with bullies? And if you're in here and you've been bullied, I might be the only one who was ever bullied, but... If, you, if you've never been bullied, and I'm sure I'm not, right? I just thought I'd throw that out there. It's terrible. So back when I was a young man, it was in between my eighth grade and freshman year, and I got saved. I mean, I, I surrendered to preach. I got saved at nine, baptized at 13, and surrendered to preach at 15. And I'll never forget going back to school. And I was just sharing this with my kids the other night, walking into a lunchroom. So you're, you, at this point... I had already gone through the Southeast public school system. And, you know, you, you have all these friends and it's, you know, they all know you, right? And you just can't wait. School starts. You get to walk into the lunchroom. You're so excited to see them and you think they're excited to see you. And you walk over to the table and you're like, hey! And they're like... And I'm like, hey! hey. And they're like... Uh, can I? Sit? Oh, don't sit there. That's for Jim. Oh, don't sit over here. That's for Tim. Oh, don't sit over here. That's for Sam. You know what they said? We don't want the preacher boy to sit at our table. Listen, that goes way back to 1985. And the same devil is doing tricks back then as he's doing today. He uses people to get to us. And praise the Lord that, you know what, I didn't let that get to me. And I would go to classes and I was ridiculed and I was put down and I was persecuted because I was surrendered for Christ. But I want you to know something. 
that Jesus Christ is still on the throne and he gave me the ability and strength and for 17 years I was a youth pastor and I watched young people understand that when I said to them, I understand what you're going through, I understand the, the past and, and the challenges that you face, I understand the fears and, and what you've gone through. Listen, don't think you're exempt. Some of you might even be bullying your children. Some of you might allow your children to bully you. Stop the chaos. Thought I'd say that. We have to be very, very careful who we allow to influence us and then to put on the whole armor of God every day to stand against all of the ways that haunt us. But what I love about this whole part of hope, what we sometimes forget is we're not that person anymore. Maybe for some of you, maybe you stole, maybe you drank, maybe you. Maybe you committed adultery. Maybe you did things that you are not very proud of. But I want you to know that there's life in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Him, come to know Him. Because remember, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ wipes away all of our past. He wipes away the sins of our past. The prophet Isaiah reminds us of this very fact. We're not who we used to be. We are a new person. He says in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, forget the former things. So we let that go, right? So I said that before. Do not dwell on the past. So let me speed through here quickly. Now we come to a place where we say, all right, I'm facing my challenges. I had to face my challenges. I had one or two choices. When I walked in that that lunchroom, and that wasn't one day, that was three years of torment of persecution. But I knew that greater is He that is in me than he that's in this world. And who would think today that a tall, pencil-head, skinny boy would run a company and run a church? It's because of God. We don't let people or allow people to put us down. We've got to persevere, go through it, plow through it. No matter what you're going through, I want you to realize that God is doing a new thing in your life. So we face our challenges. We shouldn't waste time on our challenges. We've learned how to prepare for them. So once you've put on your armor for that day, don't waste a single moment of your life letting fear of your past or the present day challenges take away from who you really are. Once again, a great lesson from the Apostle Paul here gives us a little insight in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. It says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What else is that telling us? It says, make the most of every opportunity. Don't waste your time. Here's a story that I want to share with you. It's called A Very Special Bank Account. Here's a little lesson that I found a while doing research on wasting them. I hope it brings a little understanding to each and every one of you. Imagine you had a bank account that deposited 86400 each morning. Man, what a life that would be. Wouldn't that be great? The account carries over, no balance from day to day, allows you to keep no cash balance, and every evening cancels whatever part of the amount you had failed to use during the day. What would you do? You would draw out every single dollar each day, right? Not me, preacher. Okay, just, just watch and listen. We all have such a bank account. And its name is time. 
Every morning it credits you with 86,400 seconds. Every night it writes off as lost whatever time you have failed to use wisely. And it carries over no balances from day to day. It allows no overdraft so you can't borrow against yourself or use more time than you have to. Each day the account starts fresh. Each night it destroys and unused, any unused time. And if you fail to use the day's deposits, it's your loss, and you cannot appeal to get it back. There's never any borrowing time. You can't take a loan out on your time or against someone else's. The time you have is the time you have. And that is that time management is yours to decide how you spend the time. Just as with money, you decide how you will spend your money. It is never the case of us not having enough time to do things, but the case of whether we want to do them and where they fall in our priorities. Pretty neat little story. I liked what it says. I believe that it's entirely true. God gives us ample time every day to cope with our adversities. We must remember to use that valuable time well and not waste a single moment. And all of this will only make us stronger. And because of time, I'm going to wind this message down and I want to conclude with a great story. Yesterday was two years of a young man's life. His name is Todd. And in school, many of you have heard me say this, that Todd faced many trials and tribulations. And in his life, I used to say, don't worry about it, Todd. That's the old man. You're the new man. There's hope in Jesus. No matter what addiction you're going through, no matter what your childhood was like, there's hope. Listen, our struggles only make us stronger. It says in James chapter 1, verses 2, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. There was Todd, who throughout our life, throughout our teenage years, he would watch me in that, that little display of rejection. One day he said to me, What's so different about you? What makes you different? I said, Hope. He said, hope what? i got to remember, we're both 16 years old. He was rocking out the Bon Jovi hair because he wanted to be this rock and roll star. I mean, come on, we're from the 80s, right? So we all get it. I mean, Aquanet had nothing on the 80s, right? The bigger the hair, the better. It's very difficult for me. I love my wife's big hair. I said, honey, even to this day, tease that stuff, put that product in there, the bigger the better. And... uh so Todd and I started talking and he said to me, he's like, what is it that makes you different? What is it that I've had, you know, my past has been terrible. Isn't it terrible that even a 16-year-old young man can say, these are the struggles that I've faced. This is the hardship that I've faced. He said, well, I've tried to find hope in all kinds of things. I've tried to find hope in, you know, uh, occult practices. I've even practiced witchcraft. 
And I said, well, there's no hope in that. That's temporal, and it's very scary. He goes, scary? It scared me almost to death, literally. And he said, but I want you to know that whatever you have, I want. And I said, well, let me tell you a little bit about Jesus. He's the only way. In John 14, it says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can go into the Father. But hope comes through Jesus. And I'll never forget the day he got saved. I'll never forget that moment when he said, can we pray? We were in this lunchroom area. It was study hall. I said, yeah, let's pray now. And we prayed out loud. And he asked God into his heart and into his life. And it changed his life. You know why? Because he had some struggles. And he took his past and he said, I've got to change. There's something different about the hope of your Jesus. This Advent season, I want you to know that it wasn't me who did it. I'm thankful for the strength that God gave me to persevere through those difficult moments. And I want to encourage you this morning to not lose hope. Let this world get you down? Never. Remember what our hope truly is. It's our faith. And, never, and we never want to lose that. Don't let fear overtake your hope. The past is just that, Todd. Your past is your past. It isn't who you are today. You are a child of the Most High God. Remember who you are. Yep. A child of the Most High God. Who could possibly protect me better than Him? Remember, church, that... You are a conqueror, and in this season of Advent, you are not weak. You are a soldier in God's great army. And I want to encourage you to put on your armor every single day. Do this every morning when you wake. Put on your armor and say to yourself, I am ready for this battle, and I know I cannot lose. He's not here to harm me. He's here to prosper me, to give me a hope and a future. Don't waste your time on trivial matters. Make every little moment count. Make your time count. Feel good in everything you accomplish and hope you can do even more tomorrow. Instead of wasting time, spend more time with God. And then learn from every challenge you face. Remember, God's challenges are simply the lessons He wants you to learn. And you will always gain more strength from them. And then I tell you this. You are loved by the Most High God. Everything you need will come to you when you need it most. Go with God. Be good to one another. Always stay humble and always be kind. Well, I received the phone call. Hi, Todd. I just want you to know that Todd passed away. And I'll never forget that moment in my life. I'll never forget just like sitting there as, as bizarre as it, as, as it was. I went this past year to another funeral of another school friend. Addiction is real. But it's because we keep looking in the rearview mirror and we're reminded. See, the adversary wants to take us and say there's no hope in you. You have no hope. But church, I'm here to tell you, there is hope in Jesus Christ. His life on this earth is over. Church... We live in a time of pure chaos right now. Do you know this week, I received a couple phone calls. And those phone calls were, well, we used to go to church and we can't find a church. One of our churches that we went to is closed. 
A lot of churches have closed. They couldn't afford to keep the doors open. But I know that we have hope in His Savior. Why are we here today? To gain hope in Christ. To gain strength and knowledge and to become more powerful and live our life out for Him. And if you came to church today and you feel like, well, this message didn't apply to me, well, it should. Because I know that when adversity comes, as it does every single day, and, and I'll tell you this, our mind is a powerful tool. You've got to be careful with your mind. Because Satan will use that as a tool to distract you and to detour you from focusing on him this season. Let me say this and then we're going to stand and pray. Hope is on the way. Psychologists tell us that the Christmas season can be one of the most stressful times of the year. I doubt we really need a psychologist to tell us that. More depression diagnoses are made in the holiday season than any other time of the year. Are you having a blue Christmas, as the songwriter once said? If so, hope is on the way. Take the message to the single mother who cries herself to sleep at night, praying that God will take care of her and her children. Hope is on the way. To the stressed our Father who is trying so hard to provide for His family, man, we have a message to proclaim. Hope is on the way. To the lonely widow who celebrates each Christmas after saying goodbye to her dearest on earth, hope is on the way. When the night seems too long and you awake to a dreary day, don't lose hope, church. Hope is on the way. If you are fighting a battle of fear and it seems that God is silent, just hold on because I'm here to tell you, hope is on the way. When your heart is broken in two and you're standing in the rubble of your life, God's Word says, hold on, my child. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hope is on the way. Will you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your hope this morning. He is the only true object of hope. Why? Because hope is on the way. And I want you to know that this season, as the great prophet Isaiah said, for He is the wonderful Counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. And more importantly, He's our counselor. Will you go to Him? In church, no matter what struggles you have, you can lay them down at the altar because hope is on its way. Let's stand as we pray. Father, we love You and we thank You for today. I thank You for the moments that we get to share the distractions of this world and know that we can put on the whole armor of God. And Lord, I know that Maybe for some of us, we feel lonely. Maybe we feel lost. Yet, God, we know that you proclaim that in this life, we will have troubles. There will be trials. Maybe we're even persecuted. But I know that, that even Todd, even as we embarked yesterday on his two-year anniversary, that you took him home, that he finished out this life here on this earth, that, Lord, he found hope and a Savior. 
God, help us to not look back at our past, but to rest in our present, to know that we need to claim every day for your glory, to manage our time wisely. So God, to our hearts today, and Lord, change us, mold us, reshape us to be like you. Hope is on its way. So God, if there's somebody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I want them to know that they too can know the hope of this world. They too can know Jesus as Messiah, our Savior, our King. And so God, we give our hearts to you. And if there is somebody here today, all you have to say is, Dear Lord, I ask that you'll come into my heart and into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess my sin before you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you it all. I need you. I'm at the end of myself. So God, help me get to the beginning of you. Oh, Father, I deeply yearn for that relationship. God, save me today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your hope. And we thank you for this season. For those that are struggling even in this building with maybe some form of addiction or illness, God, there's hope in the healer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.